Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another exciting uh, discussion today, all things well-being. Today, I'm going to do another one on the Fast Mind Club, because it's been a little while, and uh, there's certainly uh, lots going on with that, as usual, especially as we become a little more aware of ADHD and, and grown-ups, right? And so today's discussion is going to be on uh, ADHD and anxiety. So I forgot if I introduced myself or not, so I'll do it again. Uh, my name is Dr. Kimberly Quinn, and I'm going to have a discussion with all of you today on anxiety and ADHD. It's actually the other way around, ADHD and anxiety. And just, you know, if we think about it, right, for neurotypicals, even or whoever has whatever extra to deal with, anxiety makes most things worse or more, you know, exacerbated. And so that's what we're going to have a talk about um, today. And so just to begin, I'd like to do a shout out to Russell Ramsey of ADD Etude Magazine. And even though I, you know, I kind of live and breathe this every day myself, as you all know, I read a lot. I read voraciously, right? As if I'm like starving to death, which is, I believe, what the word means in a different context. And uh, yes, but I, but I like to make sure that I cover all bases because I read so much. And ADD Etude is a really great read. Um, any of you who are out there in the Fast Mind Club, you might want to check that out. So, okay, so back to the ADHD and anxiety relationship, because, um, and we know I don't like the word disorder, I'm just being consistent here. ADHD and anxiety are very, very closely connected, which I'm sure those of you who have it, or have kids who have it, or partners who have it, or siblings or friends at work, or whatever who have it is, you know, rather, you know, obvious. And also, anxiety is the most common dual diagnosis that goes along with ADHD. And of course, now the current term is actually comorbid, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Morbid, you know, Latin for death. I, I don't know. Dual diagnosis, most people would understand. That means you have two things going on, right? You can even have more things going on. And then, you know, it's, it's, you know, even though we're all so sick of talking about the Rona pandemic, um, this obviously has really exacerbated things for for many of us, whether you, whether you're in the fast mind club or not. And now we're sort of kind of coming out of it, except for it doesn't seem to have a hard stop. Right. And people who are, who are wrapped up in watching the news and living and residing there, um, get even more stressed out. And it's just this uncertainty that's still lingering in the air. That's also making things, you know, amped up for, for probably the majority of us, whether you have ADHD or not. And, you know, so a good place to start here is that just the very nature of being in the Fast Mind Club, right, already has daily life, you know, being amped up and, and more stressful. We're not saying that what's going on in our lives is, you know, more strenuous or tumultuous or whatever than other people, because no one really fully knows what's going on with somebody's lives. That is not what we're saying here. We're talking about we are predisposed by our executive functioning issues, differences in our executive functioning, which means how we process and perceive literally, I don't use the word everything very often, but since this is perception, everything that comes in is being processed differently than it is with a neurotypical. So it's important to realize that daily life, you know, is more stressful for someone in the fast mind club than someone who isn't. We've got you know, differences going on with planning, reasoning, decision-making, judgment, ability to plan, 
impulse control and emotional regulation, which is a huge one. And though that is not in the DSM-5 and no one in, in the fast mind community gets why it's not in the DSM-5, and that crew only congregates about every 10 years or so, um, no, nobody gets that because it's just such a, a big, huge deal. And then there's also, you know, rejection ses- sensitivity, which can accompany ADHD for many. Um, and that just, it just adds to the whole thing. All right, just to begin, so we're on the same page as they say, um, as most of you, I'm sure, are well aware, anxiety, you know, is uh, sort of a response to, or is a, is a mental and physiological response to anything that's perceived to be a threat, you know, or even, or even um, a risk. So the word perceived is super important there because with anxiety, I mean, we've, we've set the fast mind club thing aside for just a second. It perceived is important here because we can have somebody who's really for real, you know, um, chasing us, ready to mug us and steal our wallet or purse or something that everybody else can see. And as we all know how it works with anxiety, we can be sitting comfortably in our living room, you know, with some nice, you know, uh, relaxing, soft jazz music on or whatever, and maybe even a partner in the other room or parents in the other room or just feel safe and we're having a great day at home by ourselves with a nice, you know, rainy, relaxing day. And we can be all amped up like a DEFCON 4, even though there's there's no threat within, you know, a, a, a large distance from us, nowhere near us. Yet we can still feel like, you know, like we're in a foxhole waiting for something to happen. And this is, of course, you know, with what we've discussed earlier. So uh, any of you who have not listen to the podcast on anxiety. There's a bunch of them in the beginning of the first season, which is, I think, March, April, May-ish of 2020. Because I don't want to repeat for for regular listeners too, too much. Um, But basically, this is the limbic system in charge, which is about, if you kind of close your fist, well, it's actually smaller than that. Also depends on how big your hand is, of course. Let's say an avocado kind of sitting in in the middle of the brain, and there's a part of it called the amygdala, actually plural with an E on the end. The amygdala are responsible for flipping the switch on the fight, flight, and freeze threat circuit. So I'm sure most of you have heard about that. So, so once that, that switch is flipped, it's, it's, a, it's a circuit, it's a cycle, it goes in a circle, and it's self-reinforcing. So each and every time we allow anxious thoughts to to roll through us. And the word is allow. Let's look at or listen to the other episodes for tips on how to reduce those. They get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So it, it's like each, each time we allow a, a, what if this happens, what if that happens thought with all these worrisome thoughts, then they're actually stronger next time. It's like, it's like giving a dog, a, like a, a steak bone, you know, for sitting down, it just becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. So, so, it, so, so anxiety in general will make most things worse. So if we got, you know, external stressors going on in our lives with partners or money or kids or whatever, enter the anxiety response and all that just got, you know, again, amped up to DEFCON 4. Okay, so those in the Fast Mind Clubs, and this is the number one top-notch dual diagnosis or comorbid for the Fast Mind Club. This is omnipresent and so the ADHD are already, you know, not being, not, it can be an extra diagnosis, like a dual diagnosis, right? It can also, it's also 
often mildly inherently present. Um, and it sort of exacerbates the symptoms that are already there with anxiety. So we've got um, the regular struggles with working memory. So if, so if we're struggling with planning and, um, you know, just flat out remembering, interpreting deadlines, meeting deadlines, um, impulse control, that's going to be really tricky when somebody's anxious because, and that's, as you know, from previous episodes, that's one of, I have every, literally have every single, um, every single symptom of ADHD. I just checked recently and I didn't see procrastination there. Maybe I skipped over it, which would be kind of uh, par for the course because that's the only one I wouldn't have. And I chalked that up to being the proud prodigy of two alcoholic parents because I, I learned early on that I had to kind of get it done myself. But as far as I know, I've got every single symptom in my personal, typically with the, with the Fast Mind Club member, you have a couple of, of more prominent or dominant symptoms. And of course, there are different types. I'm the, definitely the combined because I've got them all. Uh, but impulsivity, it's hard enough for those of us that have the impulsivity component. It's hard enough for us to hit the pause button on a good day. You know, when we've had sleep and drank the OJ, went for a run, chatted with some of our, 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 our people, our peeps, right? On a really good day, it's difficult to control impulses. So try to push the pause button when you feel like you're standing in a foxhole or you're, you're like, a, you know, a shortstop, you know, the shortstop on the Yankees in the playoff game, you know, waiting for the ball to be hit in your direction kind of thing. I'm thinking about the Yankees right now because they're in the race for the wild card. Uh, anyway, but it's a good analogy regardless. And so if you add to what we're already struggling with and now amp it up that, that we're now feeling the uncertainty of whatever it is just got kind of planted in our lives, it can have us feeling like we're literally in orbit. And many of us also have something called time blindness. And, you know, for years we were just time blindness shamed with different words because especially when you're a grown up, because you should be able to do this. You should be able to do that. No, that wasn't last week. That was, that was three months ago. Why can't you get it together? Well, because we can have a difficult time with um, keeping track of time. It just blends in our heads. We can think, oh, so-and-so just sent us this nice gift for our wedding or birthday or whatever. I'm going to make sure I get that thank you note on Monday. Without exaggeration, it can be a year from now, and it's our anniversary or it's the, ne the next year's birthday. And we're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get right. And we think that we did it. We think that we did it or or like that um, where'd all that time go? You know, I'm ready to. I'm ready now kind of thing. And we really do have time blindness. Many of us have time blindness. And it's a brain thing, you know, it, it, it's, and it's not our fault. And that's meant to be an explanation, not an excuse, because I'm, I'm big on not using the Fast Mind Club card for an excuse, merely an explanation. And then hopefully we, especially as adults, are trying to constantly, you know, work at and, and, and put things in place to help, help ourselves with working memory and time blindness and, and different things like that. And then really the third one I want to mention with anxiety, which is a biggie, it's just so freaking huge, I can't even say, is sometimes our exaggerated emotions. And it's because within within um, the executive functioning system and also the limbic system, which is emotional headquarters, the connection there to, from the rational brain to the emotional brain is just different. Our rational brain already struggles. So thinking about the children's book, um, The Little Engine That Could, I think it was called, 
I remember thinking, you know, it, it's like the, throughout the book, it says, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, which is a little engine trying to climb over the mountain. And that's kind of like our executive functioning system. And which is also the rational part of the brain, which talks down the emotional part of the brain when it's amped up with anxiety or, and all the other rest of it. Right. And so that is also different for us. And because it hasn't yet been made part of the DSM five and just isn't, you know, popular knowledge, like those of us in the fast mind club all wish it would be. And someday it will be that we would really benefit from, you know, compassion and empathy and, and not that we need to surround ourselves with clinicians. It's just like anything else. You know, when a, when a family has somebody in who's a diabetic and they can be supportive by not bringing out the bowl of ice cream at night to snack on when, you know, your, 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 your sibling or child or the other parent or whoever is sitting right next to you watching TV, that would be a nice thing to, you know, not do. With us, it's, it, would, it's, it would be empathetic and, you know, and, and compassionate and supportive to at least understand that we can have very exaggerated emotions, so much so that some of us in the Fast Mind Club, you know, can be diagnosed with mood disorders by mistake and when that's not what they are at all. And also to, to understand that in addition to sometimes emotions being extreme, um, we, can we can often get stuck in those because it's difficult for us to, to snap, to jump out of that sometimes. It's, ju it's just part of the wiring. So of course, understanding that helps because sometimes they can be, if people closest to us, some, some of that can be prevented. And again, it's not to put the responsibility in other people that's ours. And at the same time, just like I said, the diabetes example, when we're aware of something in our close family with a partner or something else, when we're aware of it, we can at least be supportive to try to, to try to maybe, um, you know, if, if we're aware of it can maybe pre prevent some situations from occurring or being aware, aware of, um, you know, these emotional triggers. It's, it's just helpful and it's kind and loving. And there's also something called consistent inconsistencies. I'm just going to read this part. The rest of it was just kind of rat rolling right through me, but, um, Russell Ramsey says inherent uncertainty about how an event or a task will play out is at the core of anxiety. Understanding consistent inconsistency, a common element of life with ADHD, is key to understanding the persistent anxiety of living with ADHD. Consistent inconsistency describes the distrust and uncertainty in yourself that builds up years after years of experiencing ADHD symptoms such as inattention, overwhelm, memory lapses, and more. Consistent inconsistency is knowing, for example, that a task needs to be accomplished, but doubting the ability to get it done. Well said, Russell Ramsey. And it's true, you know, even as a, even as grownups, um, and I, I, gosh, I've been working at my, um, with working with my wonderful mind. Thank you, Dr. Dave, for years, for years and years and years, and, you know, coming into all the gifts and all the all the good things of, of, about um, how I'm wired. And still, even at a fabulous 56 years old, this it's, I'm still a work in progress because why? Because life can throw curveballs at you. It just happens. Not even intentional, right? Stuff just happens. We all know 
that it happens. And because even with lots of work and love and kindness and compassion, you know, some of these messages come from the vault at times, even when, when, when you're feeling somewhat strong, I feel pretty strong at this point. And sometimes still from the vault to be, you know, little, little voices like, are you sure, you know, you're not going to mess that up too. Da, da, da. And then that anxiety can really, really amp that up, especially if whatever it is, is super important. Like it's a project at work. There maybe are, are cuts going on at work for budgetary reasons. And all of a sudden that external, the external stressors and, and perceived threat or real threat, right? Perceived or real, the brain doesn't know the difference, can really, really, really amp up anyone, like a, neuro, a neurotypical, of course, or somebody dealing with something extra that's not this. With the ADHD or though, this can put us right into orbit. I mean, especially if it's something, let's say, like on the level of, you know, livelihood being threatened. That can just have us circling Pluto in about, you know, three milliseconds. Okay, so what can we do, you say? And there's, there are lists of things. You go through all these ADHD stuff out there. Sometimes I'm, a lot of it's really good. And sometimes, I don't know who's writing it. Usually, if I would say the most, most of the time, ADD attitude is really good. Uh, there, most of the time it's helpful. And sometimes I'm thinking, who wrote this? Because if you don't, if you're not in the club, somebody just says doesn't just sometimes, and it, it is the minority, just doesn't make any sense. Um, but first of all, which wouldn't be different for for a neurotypical, really, except that it might just be tougher for an ADHD to realize that we need a grown up timeout and to hit the pause button. Hitting the pause button is certainly very hard for me, and well, I mean I've gotten better at it, but it still takes a lot of juice for sure to step out. I mean, you might have to physically step out. Like if you're at work and there's a meeting and they're talking about layoffs or budgets or anything, even if they're not even close to that, but it's in the air kind of thing, or um, it's some kind of relationship thing to actually physically step out, go find a restroom. It's ideally go outside if it's a nice day and you, and your work environment is conducive to it, or you're at a social thing and there's somebody there saying, you know, stupid shit that has you being, you know, triggered or something, um, just excuse yourself. And what you want to do is not draw attention because that doesn't help. That amps up the consistent inconsistency thing to just sort of be, you know, or be discreet incognito and just slide away. And once you're removed from the situation, because this is really difficult to do, especially if you just have to stand there privately running this drill through your head with, given the fast mind club dynamic, that's going to be really hard. So to step away, to have the chance to think to yourself, maybe even say it out loud. Um, if you want to write it down, write it down. But to challenge, the, first of all, try to ch- challenge yourself to label whatever the emotion is. Am I scared shitless? Okay, then say that. Own it. I'm scared shitless. And we don't question, is it real or not? Because it doesn't matter if it's, if it's real to you, it's real. If somebody actually said something, you can write it down or file that. Or is it your, the feeling is fear, not coming from necessarily from anything direct. So first of all, I got to label it. Is this fear? Is this frustration? Is it that I've been saying this over and over and over again at, at work or in the family and no one's listening to me? No one's hearing me. I'm not feeling validated. And anybody who has, is in the Fast Mind Club knows there's a very short distance between frustration and in, in seeing red with anger there's a very and it crosses over pretty quickly so to be aware of the frustration is also important and to question it because if it's, it's a, if it's a situation that the, that the threat 
is is actually um you know something concrete then it's good to look at that because it's very validating and if it's and if we're being triggered from stuff in the vault from when we were you know eight years old 10 15 then we can have a talk with ourselves and try to pull our rational mind into it like you know breathe and even if it just helps to say for this day or this hour this, this is i'm okay at this minute i'm okay for today whatever's going on in that meeting or in the family, ba 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 ba, to try to talk ourselves down, and then once you've sort of fact check, you know, separating what is an immediate threat from what's more of a triggered sensation, and try to dismiss, we got you know the, the controllables from the uncontrollables. Those are huge. Again, these tips will work for anyone, um, anyone, whether you're neurotypical or some somebody with something else. But the, the person again with ADHD really has to work out a little harder. If you have a safe, a safe person around, this would be great to fact check with them. Ideally, that is the best. Somebody who knows your amazing, very fast mind. If you can do that, that is by far the number one strategy here for, you know, throwing you a rescue raft and helping, helping to helping you to seek higher ground. Because whenever we're feeling frustrated, angry, and definitely shame, you got to make sure and do a, an emotion check and make sure it's not shame. Because if it is shame, that's the number one most toxic human human emotion there is. And and definitely put out like an APB, as they say in the police force, an all points bullet, and then seek out higher ground. It's very important for you to seek out higher ground. Now, if it's, it's a situation where it's not immediate, you know, you, this is going on, I mean, it's immediate in that it's going on in your life, but it's not like you're actually physically at a meeting or physically at a dinner table at Thanksgiving and somebody said something, some stupid shit and that got you triggered right there. If it's sort of not happening like right in the here and now journaling on that day would be a really great idea because sometimes for those of us in the fast mind club, even at our respective grown up ages, we can be very difficult for us to filter through what's frustration and what's anger and what's shame and what's guilt. So if you actually have time in a quiet place to journal that, that can be, like a, I think I've just got a visual, like a funnel trying to pour oil into, you know, if you need oil in your, in your car or something, because it does, when we, when we journal something, all of a sudden there's something incredibly clarifying about writing stuff down. Cause you can go back and reread the paragraph and oh wait, I meant this. And that can be really, really great. If it's not, you're not being, you know, hot seated in that minute. So really what's important here, what is important here is more amped up at DEF CON 4 is disentanglement. That's really what, you know, I think of a bunch of tangled, I don't know, shoelaces or something, which I would not have the patience for. And that's my husband's, so that was maybe not a good example. But let's say disentanglement of the, of the, of the overwhelm. And how I say this to students is the overwhelm, which we all get at times, feels like a tsunami. And when, and when the tsunami of overwhelm just sort of rolls right over us, we feel generally a complete lack of control. We often have no idea where to start. We often lose lose all motivation because why try to take on a tsunami? We all know what happens with those. And it's just a really tough emotional place to be in. So again, fact check, preferably be with a safe person. Journal if you can. And then something I often do, um, I say to my, I also say this to my students, I'm not a do as I say, not as I do type of person. I kind of, I kind of, um, get things, I, I break it down with something called the Zorro circle, which I'm going to do at another time. But we can do this without going through that right now. It's, it's basically taking whatever the, the issue is, problem, conflict, trigger, 
and and separating, you know, control versus what we can control versus what we can't. We talked about that. And then the breakdown of how to tackle it, if it's even something you can tackle. So this only counts for the controllables, right? And basically the Zorro Circle is about breaking something down into little baby steps instead of that tsunami. One little baby step at a time. We will then have closure, one little baby step at a time. And here's what I was about to say before I got kind of distracted by the Zorro Circle is I tell myself, I actually just said to my, this to my students uh, Thursday, is I tell myself this several times throughout the, di- throughout the day, actually. On this day, okay, October 2nd right now, October, on this day, there's only so much I can do in, these, in the hours of this day. Not everything is going to get solved on this day. That is my sentence. Not everything is going to be solved on this day. The word everything is not even what I usually use in my vocabulary. Why? Because it doesn't exist. Those words, everything, always, no one, nothing, they don't exist. So here's the thing. I'm going to take on, I'm going to choose what I am going to take control and choose what I am going to complete in this day. Might be a relationship situation, make a phone call, with blah, 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 and then I, that's it. I'm done for the day. I'm also not going to pack my day. Not all of it has to be resolved on this day. Just not happening. Thank you very much. Another little mantra um, also I do that I do when I feel a wave of anxiety coming. Sometimes I do it just be out of pure gratitude because, of course, I write my gratitude journal the high majority of mornings. Um, sometimes I just say the mantra when I feel my head getting racy. And this is how it goes. I am authentic. I know my own value. And I am grateful for my life. If I have a particularly racy ADHD head going on, I'll just say it lots of times on the way into campus or wherever I am in my head or sometimes out loud in the Jeep. I am authentic, I know my own value, and I'm grateful for my life. And I'll tell you that that saying that over and over again also is a great distraction from whatever it is going on. And then lastly, this is one that definitely helps me, but I, we know empirically speaking, research-based, for anyone who's having an anxious day, anxious moment, or has lots of anxious days and anxious moments, you got to move. You've got to move. Running, skiing, walking, you don't have to become a gym rat. But you just, you got to move. And also, if you can combine moving with nature, you know, out in the woods, especially uh, in northern Vermont right now, the leaves are turning. It's absolutely gorgeous. Actually, today it's pouring, but it's very peaceful. Um, You got to move. So movement for the Fast Mind Club, just get out the door and do something because it does wonders for anxiety, the frustration that we have such a difficult time managing. And which also can like pull the plug out of a potential angry situation. Just movement is great. So let's go back to these. Fact check what's going on with the trigger. It's all real to the brain, but is there an actual threat going on in your midst? Or is it coming from the vault from like you were 8 and 10 and 15 years old? Because if so, we can take, we can let the air out of that balloon. If you can do it with with a safe person who knows your wonderful mind, even better. Then we have, if you, while well, we have stepping out of it, distance, adult, uh, grown up, timeout. Okay. If you can actually di- dip out, fantastic, because hitting that pause button is so important. Um, journaling, if you can journal and write it down, a tremendous clarity comes out of journaling. And of course, journaling can, all, can also help us to sift through and label our emotions, which the ADHDers are not always super good at. It can help us really separate the frustration from the anger and to shame your feeling. That's like an that's like an emotional nine one one. So 
uh, seek higher ground where somebody's safe immediately. If they're if it's a, if it's by phone call because they live you know opposite side of the country or world or something, make sure you do that. And uh, gotta move, got to move outside uh, nature, running, skiing, walking, whatever. And lastly, just to wind up, I didn't plan for it to be this long, but I must I must be uh, have this in the in the, on my mind right now because there's just there's a lot of anxiety still lingering after the Rona and buzz is not over. Blah 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 blah. So summing up here, remember to the mantra that mantra that I shared with you. I do not need to solve all of this on this day. I just don't. And also my own mantra of I am authentic. I know my own value, and I'm grateful for my life. And then lastly, lastly is tell yourself that your your very fast, wild, and wonderful mind is a gift to this world. We have so much to offer this world and appreciate who you are and the gift of your wonderful, fast and furious mind. This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.